this week, where Freeman's exclusive podcast will be available for free on YouTube and Spotify. Check out next week's podcast, plus more exclusive content, on our Patreon. Just follow the link in the description. To ask a person whether he believes that an astronaut landed on the moon is really a very silly question. Because what's the difference? What's the difference? Even if it's not knowledge, it's a matter of fact. Either he did or he didn't. What do I care whether you believe it? And what difference will it make if you don't believe it? And if it didn't happen, then what difference will it make if you do believe it with your whole heart? Same thing is true with Yiddishkeit. My grandfather told me that God spoke to the Jewish people and gave them these mitzvahs. Now what am I supposed to do? Decide if I believe it? What's the difference whether I believe it or not? It, it either happened or it didn't happen. Now, if everybody says it happened, then, then what do you mean I don't believe it? So my not believing it makes it go away? So you see, the whole subject of belief is really a rather irrelevant thing. Yeah, yes. oh, so what you're saying is that we should be honest and use the right words. When the person says, I don't believe in God, what they're really saying is, I don't want to be bothered. Not, I think there is no God. That's a ridiculous statement to make. But that's ridiculous. They're not thinking that, because that's nonsense. That's nonsense. How can you have an opinion about a fact? You see? Oh, so if it's unreasonable, there must be some other motivation. What is the person really saying? What they're really saying is, I don't care. I don't care. And the person who says, I do believe, means I want, I'm buying into this. I want part of the action. The person who says, I don't believe, means I don't care. Because that's what you're describing. If a person does believe in God, then it will motivate him to do things. If he doesn't believe in God, then it will permit him to do other things. So what is he really saying? He's really saying, don't tell me what to do. So really, when a person says, I don't believe in God, what he's really saying is, look, all Jews for hundreds and thousands of years are supposed to do this, and they did this, and this is how they lived, but I don't want to. So I don't care if there is or there isn't a God. It's not my business. But to come along and say, I have an opinion, and it's my opinion that there is no God. That's babble. That's like saying I don't believe in hell. Who cares what you believe? It's either true or it's not true. Okay. So, again, we're coming back to what we are saying before. Instead of say, using the word belief, we should use the word commitment. Either you're willing to commit yourself to God, or you, or you don't want to commit yourself to God. And then there are some people who want to commit themselves to God, but only if he makes sense. Only if you, if you play nice. 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. But when you want to relate to God, you have to relate to him on his level. And he is not human nature. Just like the husband, if he wants to be loyal to his wife, he has to be loyal to what she is, not to what he is. Even to the degree this woman once complained that her husband never listens to her. Never hears what she says. And he said, what do you mean I never listen to you? Everything you've ever asked me to do, I've done. Everything. In fact, more. Remember you asked me to bring home a rose? I brought home a dozen, didn't I? Remember you asked to go away for a weekend? We took the whole week off, didn't we? Remember you said that the slip covers need changing? I bought a whole new sofa. So what are you telling me I never hear what you say? <laughs> so she turns to the counselor and she says, you see? He thinks he's magnificent. He thinks he's the best husband that ever existed on earth. She says, can't you ever listen to me? And she's right. She asked for one rose. Why did he bring a dozen? Because she really wanted a dozen? <laughs> no. Because he thought better to bring a dozen. So every time she says something, he figures out a better thing. She says, can't you ever just do what I ask? And I'm sure that there are other things a little more intimate and personal than, than flowers and, and couches where he does the same thing. If she says, how do you like my soup? He launches into this endless flow of compliments. She says, I, I didn't ask you for compliments. I just want to know how you like the soup. Can't you just say the soup is good? He says, oh, you're a magnificent cook. She says, will you stop that? Talk to me. So, is he a wonderful husband? Or is he driving her nuts? <laughs> because he never goes with her. It's always his way. Even her idea is always his way. And we do the same thing with God. God says... don't mix meat and milk and we say oh that's right we should be very disciplined in our eating god says don't mix meat and milk you say right when you eat you have to be careful and disciplined in your eating god says don't mix meat and milk you say well right if you're disciplined then you're disciplined and then you won't mix meat and milk so God says, but I didn't say anything about discipline. I just said, don't mix meat. Can you just do me a fa Don't mix meat and milk. God says, don't work on Shabbos. And we say, right, Shabbos should be set aside for the family. God said, I didn't say anything about family. 
Some people don't have a family. Don't work on Shabbos. We say, right, Shabbos is a special day. Family, God says, can, can you listen to me? All I said was, don't light a fire on Shabbos and don't carry your key. You say, yeah, because it's family time. I didn't say anything about family time. Some people say, hmm. I don't work on Shabbos because I am expressing my faith in God. And God says, I didn't ask you to express your faith in me. I asked you not to work on Shabbos because Shabbos is holy. Why can't you just hear what I say? Shabbos is a holy day and work is inappropriate. So, well, fine. I will not work on Shabbos and thereby express my faith in you. That's like this nudnik husband who can drive you crazy. If you say to the husband, will you take out the garbage? And he says, out of devotion to you, yes, I will take. You'd rather have the garbage and, and, and get rid of him. When I want your devotion, I'll ask for it. What does it have to do with the garbage? When God says, don't eat pork, and we say to him, oh, is that part of your vast eternal plan? <laughs> yes, yes, it's part of my vast eternal plan. Now will you do it? Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, this is, <laughs> now I'm impressed. It's part of the vast eternal plan. It brings godliness to the world. Yes, it brings godliness to the world. Will you do it? And when you do it, will you do it because it brings godliness to the world, or will you do it because God asked you to? So suppose the husband says, yes, I'll take out the garbage. Will you love me then? Yes, I'll love you. I'll love you a lot. Just take out the garbage. And then when you take out the garbage, is it so that your wife will love you? You're a sick man. <laughs> will your wife love you if you take out the garbage? Probably. But if you take out the garbage so that she will love you, you're very sick. And the same is true with mitzvahs. Mitzvahs are part of a vast eternal plan. And every time you do a mitzvah, it has cosmic repercussions. That's why you do a mitzvah? <laughs> You're a maniac. You've got delusions of grandeur. You need a psychiatrist.
Huh? I mean, you can almost tell some people become observant and they walk around and you can almost see in their expression and their mannerism that they are involved in cosmic things. Every time they do a mitzvah, it's cosmic. <laughs> and it's pathetic. But isn't it cosmic? Yes, it's cosmic. <laughs> but if you go around focused on the fact that what you're doing is cosmic, then you're a Meshuggah What then should you be focused on? You are doing something cosmic. The cosmic part is God's business. I'm doing the mitzvah because he asked me to. Right. People say, if you know, you're not supposed to be aware of the cosmic effect of your mitzvahs, then why do we learn all this stuff about how it affects the world and what it does and the infinite light and it comes down through the channels and it <laughs> That stuff is inspiring. When you realize how great God is, then you want to do what he asks. Not you want to get involved in his projects. <laughs> when you see the greatness of the king, his wealth and his power and his army and his palace, so what do you, you want his palace? <laughs> no, it inspires you to do what he tells you to do. But not you want to go crawling around his palace. But having visited the palace, you are very impressed. So now, when he asks you to do something, you will do it quickly, gladly, and enthusiastically. But if you start having thoughts of moving into the palace, you're a Meshuggah. <laughs> Just because you're allowed to visit doesn't mean you can move in. And because you walked through the royal chambers doesn't mean you've become royalty. So yes, you are told of the cosmic effect of mitzvahs. Doesn't mean you have become cosmic. And that's why the biggest tzaddik, and here's another of the controversial statements of the Baal Shem Tov, the biggest tzaddik who can walk through the chambers of heaven at will who loves God with all his might, with all his soul, with all his pleasure and it comes time to do a mitzvah he has to forget heaven. He has to forget his love for God and his pleasure in God and his self-sacrifice. He has to focus on the mitzvah. And his only thought should be, is this the way God wants it? That's all.
So the Baal Shem Tov was saying that even the biggest tzaddik and the biggest chacham, when it comes to do a mitzvah, he has to be a simple servant. And his only concern is, is this exactly the way it was supposed to be done? That's all. You come, for example, on um, on Simchas Torah to the Rebbe, and you figure, when I dance on Simchas Torah, I'm really excited. I can't imagine what it's like when the Rebbe dances on Simchas. He must really be. And you come to seven seventy, and you watch the Rebbe dance. He dances, very nice, very. Good dances, holds the Torah, dances, smiles, sits down. So what, 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 what happened to the, to the cosmic? When you do a mitzvah, you're doing what God wants. Your only thought is to do it the way he wants. That's all. You study the Shulchan Aruch and you make sure that you don't forget any of the details and you do it correctly and you don't mix in your own stuff. And it's, like, it's like people saying, how can you be so sure there was a Holocaust? If your answer is, I have documents, That's not a good answer. You need documents to prove that there was a Holocaust? That there was a Holocaust is a fact of life. The person who comes along and says, but how do you know, hasn't graduated Logic 101. In simple logic, you cannot question the status quo. It's not a question. It is not logical to ask such a question. You walk into somebody's house and you say, prove to me that this is your house. I think it's my house. If you think it's your house, then you prove that it's your house. I don't have to prove it's my house. I live here. Now, I happen to have the deed to the house, but I'm not going to show it to you because I don't have to show it to you. I live here. I've lived here for 10 years. I don't have to prove anything because I am the status quo. If you come along and you say, I think that a child born to a Jewish father and a non-Jewish mother is, is Jewish according to Jewish law, prove it. But you can't come along and say, prove to me that a child born to a Jewish mother and a non-Jewish father is Jewish according to Jewish law. I don't have to prove anything. That's the law.
that's what the law has been for as long as anybody can remember. The status quo never has to justify itself. Change needs to be justified. Innovation needs to be justified. The status quo is a fact of life. It doesn't need justification. So when a person comes along and says, how can you be sure God gave the Torah at Sinai? Not a valid question. I don't have to be sure. It's a fact of life. In the same way that you come along and say, how do you know the people who consider themselves Jewish are really Jewish? You can't ask that. No Jewish family in the world needs to prove itself Jewish. Learn to do that. On the contrary, if you want to question the Jewishness of a Jewish family, you have to have very good reason. Because you can't change a fact simply because you ask questions. If it's been the assumption for 20 years that a certain piece of property belongs to a certain person. If that's been the assumption, and we don't know how it happened that this person became the owner of this property, no one has the right to come to him and say, prove that it's yours. He can do anything he wants. On the other hand, if someone else comes along and he has a document that shows that it's his property, now you have a battle. But it's the person who is challenging the status quo that has to produce documents. Not, not the status quo. Otherwise, you have total chaos. A policeman can stop any person in the street and say, prove to me that this car is yours. That's, that's harassment. That's harassment. I, of course it happens. But still, in order to stop me and demand that I prove it's my car, you better have a good reason. You better have a good reason, not me. Otherwise, it's harassment. I'm driving my car, and I have to prove to you that it's mine? That's not logical. So you say, but maybe it's not. You have to have very good documents to question the status quo. If you're going to search my car, you better have good reason. It's simply logical. It's simply justice. So if a person comes along and says, you know, all these Jews have been keeping Shabbos on the seventh day. Well, how do you know Shabbos is on the seventh day? Say, don't, don't be a Meshuggah okay? Because if it was on the sixth day, you would say, why the sixth day? And if it was on the fifth day, you'd say, why the fifth day? So what does it mean that it's a fact? Ask any Jewish child anywhere in the world, which day is Shabbos? 
answer is the seventh day. So that's it. See, but how can you be sure? You're making yourself crazy. How can you be sure your mother is your mother? Do you have proof? Are you not going to sleep now because of this question? <laughs> Are you absolutely sure your mother is your mother? Yeah, only if you hate her. If you hate her, right. So it could happen to you. So are you worried? Why? You're not logical. You're not being logical. You're being perfectly logical. The only reason you would ask or question or entertain the doubt about whether your mother is your mother is if you wish she wasn't. <laughs> right? So if you come along and say, but how do you know you're supposed to keep Shabbos? The only reason you would ask that question is because you don't want to. Not because it's a logical question. If a person says, oh, here's, here's the, the punchline. If a person says, you know, I sincerely want to keep the mitzvahs, but I don't know what they are. I want to do what God says. I don't know what God said. So you say to this person, well, take a look in the Shulchan Aruch. He said, well, who wrote the Shulchan Aruch? He said, okay, take a look in the Chumash. He said, well, who wrote the Chumash? I said, okay, so read the Ten Commandments. He said, I don't know that God gave the Ten Commandments. Conclusion, you don't want to do what God says. They don't do what God says, and they don't want to do what God says, and they're just babbling. Huh? No. You can, again, you can compare this to a marriage. The husband who says, I got married because I wanted to take care of my wife. I want to be there for her. I want to serve her. I want to help her. But I don't know what she wants. You don't want to help her. <laughs> you don't want to serve her and you don't want to be there for her and you don't want to be good to her. He says, I do, I do. I just don't know what she wants. Nonsense. Let me ask you the opposite question. People who sit down and say grace, did God ask them to do that? No. They're doing it because they want to do it. <laughs> when you make a bracha, you're doing what God asked you to do, not what you want to do. And God asked you to make the bracha with these words. And only if you eat those foods. And only if you eat this amount of those foods. In Jewish law. Mm -hmm. What's the difference? <laughs> really, what's the difference? I mean, 
You have no choice. You know, again, like in a, in a relationship, if your husband says, I want three of those, and you say, are you sure you want three? Or whatever. Are you sure you want three? Does it have to be three? Why three? How about two? This is going to be a bad relationship. And you say, well, look, I can't help it. I, I don't trust people. <laughs> if you don't trust, then it's finished. If you want the relationship, you have no choice but to hear what he says. If he says three, it's three. See, but why did he say three? Did somebody tell him to say three? Don't, don't, don't make him crazy and don't make yourself crazy. Now, if there were two Shulchan Aruchs, then you'd be confused. You'd say, look, I want to do the Jewish thing, but I don't know which one is Jewish. I want to do what God says, but I don't know which Torah. But, but there's only one. But there's only one Torah. The dis the discussion is complicated, not the blessing. The process and the and the reasoning that led to the that can be very complicated. So if you learn the Gemara, yeah, Gemara is very complicated. Code of Jewish law, Shulchan Aruch, is very simple. No, the Kitzer is uh, an abridged Shohanar, yeah. But even without the Shulchanar, you, know, you don't even need to quote sources. What does a Jew do on Sukkot? You know what a Jew does on Sukkot. See, but how do you know that that's what we're supposed to do? Because that's what Jews do, so it must be the Jewish thing to do. So what is your question? Maybe we should paint eggs? <laughs> what's, what's your question? <laughs> 